Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, your regular dose of 20 minutes or so of our thoughts of matters in and around the hotel investment space. Um, we are the two, uh, Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, and me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst. And we've drawn up our thoughts on three particular topics this week. And we're starting with taking a look at uh, what's been going on in the market and deal flow. Uh, it's a kind of been a waiting game for the last few months with uh, interest rates rising but uh, Andrew you were at the uh, annual hotel conference in Manchester uh, taking the temperature and uh, are we are we at a point where we could say that things might start moving again Mm, maybe I think is <laughs> right, okay. definitely maybe definitely maybe excellent. yeah um, well I mean, all all signs are there that we may be there um, mm. I think the critical bit is this interest rate tightening um, cycle looks to have come to an end you know there may be one more in there so I, I really doubt we'll see much before the end of the year because the, the, the simple problem is that if you're trying to structure a deal and you've got this this you know escalating um debt cost coming into that deal um that makes it very difficult and then you've got the the, the issue of well actually if debt costs carry on going up this is going to have to force a very marked repricing so it exposes me to risk of overpaying so you've got these sort of twin effects um, in there with that so once you get to sort of stabilized a plateau level with it um, I, I think we can then turn around and say well actually it's not too bad um, the other at the other end of this what you've you've got a bit of a standoff by the sellers because um, they're looking at this great top line growth and they're saying well you know why do I want to be cutting um, a deal now when it you know, my property could be worth even more in six months time because of this fantastic top line growth well i think we've got two things happening at once one is we've got a um the top line growth plateauing or normalizing at least and we have got interest rate increases plateauing or again i would argue actually in in many ways it's a monetary policy normalization that mm. we've had going on here so we're sort of getting back to, to normal um, and we talked about the return of normalcy last week and uh, I think this is an ongoing bit here um, and it's just a question of when people are really going to say well yep it's now um, we are clearly at that point I think it's just about we're just on the cusp of it it's going to take perhaps a few more months before it's fully accepted and digested but I, I think we'll look back and we'll see the the autumn perhaps into the winter you know so Q3 Q4 of 23 as the turning point in this cycle the deal volumes have been exceptionally um, weak um, over the last uh, 12 months so Christie and co uh, put out figures um, in a presentation at the AHC where they that they said just 104 hotels had been sold in the UK in the four quarters leading up to the end of June now that's just an astonishingly low uh, volume of, of sales um, you know we haven't seen anything like this since the 
global financial crisis um well yes arguably it obviously slowed right down during the early bit of covid but it it snapped back quite quickly now whether we will see a, a snap back like that is is a moot point but uh, i think we will be seeing something of a of a of a pickup the question is just how fast it will accelerate up and you know there's a lot of um macro issues there's a lot of uh, property related issues and i don't think it's so much what's going on in the hotel sector as what is going on in the wider property sector which is the issue particularly the office market now the office market is in, in round numbers something like 40 percent of the overall um, commercial real estate investment sector um, and if you've got uh, very big doubts in that market and uh, uh, people are deeply skeptical um, about you know the robustness of the office market now I'm probably more on the optimistic side of things um, than most in terms of the office market but um, you know it's certainly not our core area um, and you know if you have a degree of hesitancy which we have that is just going to any any uh, real estate deal is going to be sort of well I'm not sure about that going to get that sort of uh, uh, view from uh, a credit committee particularly at the lenders and it's really this this unlocking of the the lending piece which is going to going to change this i mean we have equity on the sidelines there's equity waiting to be deployed we have sellers um you know that they are the capital restructurings are necessary um clearly we're in a position where we've got a whole bunch of assets now which uh you know their capital structure needs fixing um so we have in a sense a willing seller and a willing buyer um up until the point we start talking about debt and the availability of debt and it simply isn't there at the moment at an affordable cost now one of the big things with debt i mean it just shows how bonkers the market is if you've got private equity that can make a decent return on their measures from lending money there's clearly something gone wrong with you know with with asset-backed lending if if private equity is out there making a a living doing it um and we need the high street banks to get back in there in a meaningful way um, and I think the combination of plateauing interest rates um, a little bit you know as that office market stabilizes this will all lead to it now you know the open question is how long is this all going to take um is it going to come back quite quickly or is it just going to be a you know a steady drip 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 um i in you know where i thought perhaps a, uh, a year or so ago i was more optimistic about there being quite a quite a change um i i'm more pessimistic now about the deal flow piece really stepping up but there's an inverse relationship between the pace of deal flow and how big the pain is going to be so in terms of the overall macro economy so if we have a hard landing i think we will see a lot more uh, deal flow as people are forced to re you know deal with those those problematic capital structures but in the absence of a hard landing and it looks more and more likely and we had this piece uh, talking about unicorns mm. and it's the unicorn of a soft landing well if we do have that unicorn of a soft landing um, which is you know probably a good thing in terms of the distress and um, 
that you know that won't be there in 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 the market um it will mean i think that we'll have a slower pickup in deal flow so rather than you know that sort of rather sharp thing we saw in the 1990s this is looking more and more like it could be a bit like the the post gfc um claw back to health where you know very gradually year on year we we started seeing uh, deals done but you know clearly i think we you know I, I we are at the nadir of of the deal flow piece um i just think that the climb back will be rather more gentle than than some people are hoping now the uh we've seen the business come back at the end of the pandemic um lots more people traveling revenge travel lots more volume and uh inevitably renewed concern around the stresses that uh the travel and tourism sector puts on uh, on some of the the world's favourite locations. Uh, you know, we've we've seen uh, certainly calls for increased regulation on the short term let side, and um, mayors demanding that they impose limits on visitors. This sort of thing becoming a problem. Well, uh, one of the things that the sector needs to do, and uh, uh, it, and perhaps it's just starting to do, is to is to shout a bit louder about. Um, what it actually delivers in positives apart from the negatives perceived negative of, of lots of, of people turning up all at once in a local and to that end Whitbread is, has recently produced a report looking at the positives that a premier inn can bring to a town or city um, they've uh, calculated the economic benefit and uh, um, by surveying actual hotel guests have worked out roughly the sort of money that uh, those hotel guests spend in a locality outside of the Premier Inn while they're staying there. Uh, they've out that a fair few guests only turn up in a particular town or city because there's a Premier Inn there. Uh, thus arguing they can uh, they can actually drive footfall to a location when they when they build a hotel there. Uh, so some interesting thoughts there. Uh, we've also had uh, a more global view from um, uh, the, the WTTC who have uh, put together a report on uh, a various number of reports on uh, the economic impact of travel and tourism um, being global there's some massive numbers in there billions and trillions um, but uh, all, all the while uh, declaring that um, travel and tourism is not ultimately just a bad thing yeah um so i think there's good and bad in those two things you've just mentioned there chris mm -hmm. i think the good is uh what whitbread has done in terms of the report i think that's a good effort um uh, uh, you know a, a, an advocacy leader in our sector i would say is actually airbnb who've done not dissimilar things in saying well look these are the positives that come from you know having increased levels of tourism in the economy um, we, we're not doing a very good job of that um and I, I would criticize the the world travel and tourism council as really not having moved on for decades still publishing the same old stuff um and and they really haven't revved it up in any meaningful way um to criticize them directly i think they seem more interested in running their annual shindig <laughs> than they do actually in doing a, a a good job on the advocacy front which actually providing some of the ammunition um which we need to be firing um you know to ga gain the attention of uh, politicians um there is a lot of work to be done here and we ought to be doing it on a collective level rather than doing it you know through individual companies and you know and i have to say it's good to see 
Whitbread doing this. I would like to see IHG doing this. Um, Marriott and Hilton do it to an extent in the US, but I don't think they do it, um, you know, in in Europe in any meaningful way. Partly, you know, the, it reflects they, their interests in Europe aren't that big. Um, but Whitbreads clearly are. Um, IHG, you know, only has a, a, a minority of its interests in Europe. It's more like the Americans, which I guess is why it's focused on that. But it is still a British-based company, and it ought to be doing more in this area, I think. Um, equally, I think the airlines ought to be standing up and, and shouting. I mean, they have pretty good advocacy, the airlines on the whole. Um, they're certainly better than the hospitality sector is. Um, but what we ought to be doing is working together to make the case for why travel, tourism and hospitality matters to economies and how actually what we what we have is a solution to many of the huge problems which are out there in world economies and societies right now um, that is going to require effort it's going to require a degree of money not huge amounts but some some cash going into proper advocacy groups which sadly right now we haven't got any um, I would argue that are fit for purpose. I had a look at uh, some results just came out from a couple of the uh, European hotel operators uh, Dalata and uh, PPHE uh, both interestingly declaring that they see no problems ahead in terms of operations and cu customer demand uh, and both uh, now comfortably back in profit and looking to grow uh, actively across Europe and um, uh, shortly after I had a conversation with uh, Dermot Crowley the CEO of Delata they then uh, revealed that uh, they have acquired their second uh, mainland European hotel which is the former Hard Rock in Amsterdam which will be converting to their uh, Clayton format very shortly so that joins the other uh, hotel they have already up and running in uh, Germany in Dusseldorf where they're cutting their teeth uh, learning how the mainland Europeans like to have their hotels run um, so uh, what's what's interesting is here's both uh, these companies that are, are firing strongly and see no dark clouds on the horizon and no reason not to press ahead once more with their uh, growth in their European portfolios. Yeah, for both companies here, both Delata and PPHE, it's the right part of the cycle for them. Um, so it's early part of the cycle. Um, it's the time when you want to be buying, it's the time when you want to be signing leases. Um, and it, in the case of Delata, they're the ones most focused on leases. I would anticipate they'll be doing a few sale and leasebacks um, over the coming months um, to release a bit more capital to go and, and you know reinvest back in expansion. And they seem very keen on that on that growth piece. Um, um, PPHE um, uh, a slightly different animal in that what they are is a buy, build, and operate. Um, a machine um, and they are developers who um, get the thing together and then then operate it but under the flags of uh, global brand major and in the case of PPHE um, the chosen one is Radisson and uh, back in May 22 um, PPHE renegotiated um, its deal with uh, Radisson I mean, we 
you know, the, the actual terms of that deal aren't public, but uh, um, PPHE isn't shy of saying it's got very favourable terms. So um, I, th- I think it's certainly looking good from from that perspective for PPHE. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it to be seen how good it is for for Radisson, but uh, um, but it does beg the question: Why is Delata sort of ploughing ahead um, with its own brands um, and you know is it the right thing to do to spread its resources um, owning operating and developing brands um, or whether it actually should be more focused on the owning operating bit and buy in a brand I mean it's now got the strength the size it could get a very very um, attractive deal I would suggest off one of the the global brand majors were it so inclined um i wonder whether that is a, a something that uh, um delata are looking at it would make a, a a great deal of sense i'd suggest but maybe you know that they're running the numbers and they're saying look okay it probably would deliver more on the top line um but i you know we're just not sure um the actual added cost of those brand fees will be worth it in terms of what we are left with on the bottom line um and i think that's probably true if you're looking at the major global gateways where there is that level of demand and you could you know if your pitch just that bit lower than the big global brands you'll do fine but as they push out into secondary and tertiary locations and they've got a you know certainly a few secondary locations in in the uk uh, there is a question well you know would you be able to drive a bit more business if you did have a a stronger brand and a a, you know a a distribution system that could deliver those heads in those beds um i think possibly is the answer um and it's certainly one I'll, I'll be keeping a weather eye on just to see how how, how this goes because uh, I think from Delata's De, De perspective I think they're doing a fantastic job in how they're operating their hotels and one of the reasons they deliver it so well is that they have a very decentralized model um, unlike all of the cluster management and all the rest of it you hear increasingly these days they, they give autonomy to their hotels and this is driving good business um that makes sense oper- you know for operations i don't think it makes a great deal of sense in terms of the brand and the brand distribution piece but maybe they could marry those two bits together by buying in a brand piece um we'll see one to watch okay now we get on to our five star and no star awards of the week and we're kind of rolling the two into one um by having a look at uh, the whole business of uh, drip pricing this is something that's uh, been going on in the states for some long time and uh, seems to be a habit that we're picking up here in Europe and not least in the UK Um, over in the states there is uh, the famous resort fees um, which have been growing and growing in scale and being added to the uh, bottom of, uh, of hotel guest bills in ever greater volumes and probably producing ever greater annoyance. Um, the, the yeah, 
sorry Chris I was just going to jump yeah. in and just say anybody because I've not really come across the term drip pricing mm. that much so I thought oh that's interesting resort fees thing and all the rest of it but um, I, I think it's something which we ought to explain yeah. what it is because and I think that what the government's done a good job of um, so this is the UK government intervention which is uh, announced earlier this month that they're looking at this um, they describe I want to read it out what they said drip pricing occurs when consumers are shown an initial price Price for a good or service known as the base price or advertised price while additional fees are revealed or dripped later in the purchasing process um, which is uh, I think spot on and is a very good way of, of talking about uh, talking mm -hmm. about it yeah and I mean we're you know those of us that travel on budget airlines around Europe are pretty much used to uh, oh <laughs> well you've bought you've you've bought your seat for 1999 oh you'd like to take a bag ah okay yes yes well that'll be more yeah yeah, yeah. You like to choose your. <laughs> you want wings yeah, on yeah. your aircraft? As <laughs> a wing supplement. Yeah, for yeah, that, absolutely. So. You'd like to. You'd like, you'd like um, us yeah. to print your print your your boarding pass for you. That'll be extra. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we're kind of used to that at some at some level. Um, and I guess those of us who go to city centre restaurants may be used to the. Uh, um, obligatory uh, uh, service charge or the um, re the recommended service charge which seems like it's becoming increasingly uh, compulsory uh. yeah i get that i mean you know one level and in a way I almost welcome it because i hate there's nothing worse is there so you feel you know are you being a right heel not tipping mm. or not tipping you know it's one of these yeah you know, in the states you know where you are completely because you 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 have to tip and you you know you have to put 20 percent down and that's otherwise you'll get a coffee <laughs> <tipped over your laughs> by the waiting stuff um um and that's fair enough um you've got that and you go to i don't know someone like scandinavia and and you don't tip at all there's no tipping it's a complete no tipping culture um i even remember trying to tip a taxi driver once in in i think it was denmark and they said he looked almost offended that i was oh, offering yeah. him <laughs> so it's quite remarkable um but um so that, that's there and and then but we're in that kind of you know netherworld as it were um between the two um mm. different positions and uh, uh and i i think actually i i you know if you know there's going to and they make it quite clear on their menu you know you're going to have 12 and a half percent added to the bill as a service charge well that's jim dandy and we know where we are that we're going to get that on the on the bill and that that is your service piece oh, great as long as of course that the operator does actually stick it into the pockets of the waiting mm -hmm. staff um or at least the overall stuff that's yeah. the question um i i do, um you know that that's where i'm rather skeptical and i think there ought to be a bit more transparency with regard to that but that's one thing but it's this other stuff that's coming in so you know we've both had recent mm. examples so i'll tell you t tell oh. the listeners mine which was t uh, turning up to the sea containers um building which used to be run by accor but is now run directly by the law group um and um so all was fine i got a pretty good deal on expedia um um you know i, I had been planning i had to stay overnight to um we we're going to a party in london uh, we had been planning to stay overnight at a holiday in express but that was a couple of hundred quid for somewhere in sort of the depths of london and um the sea containers was about 250 quid so i thought oh, blimey i'm <laughs> what's the point saying there when we could be you know right on the thames when we wake up how lovely would that be so we i paid for that and then you know fine that was there all the clear pricing expedia actually is very good at this in terms of the um but 
they're just hidden in there there's a five percent charge added service charge added to your bill hey what is that why is that there where's that come from and what service <laughs> is that that you know that that is being provided um you know it, it was it was odd and annoying actually i mean yeah it's you know um it was only a few quid on top of the overall bill but it's just the frustration of the piece um and i did you sort of question what was going on um you know with, with when i was paying my bill and there was a sort of slight offer to take it off the bill uh, if i poked a bit harder but you you're made to feel a right heel if you do that you know you're, you're made to feel oof what a nasty customer you are for forcing them to take that off um so i, I in the end i thought oh, i'll just <laughs> let it go that's just you know um but it, 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 that isn't it doesn't i have to say that's not endeared me to the law group it's not endeared me to sea containers um you know and if the plan had been that you know suck me in on a bargain rate through expedia and then sell me a a, a, a bigger you know higher price package um down the track well that's backfired because it's left me with a quite sour taste mm. towards well my experience is uh at a coffee shop in cardiff and this particular coffee shop chooses to uh underquote all its prices on its menus uh, because it then adds a compulsory service charge of 7.5 percent uh, uh and but even more annoyingly they call it a service tax which makes it sound like the government's imposed it, not the owner of the uh, of the coffee chain. So, um, quite extraordinary, yeah, yeah. actually. I mean, it, quite an extraordinary, you know, level of deception on the consumer. So, and and actually, I think this is this is an area which is ripe for regulation. It's what regulation is needs to be used for. I remember, oh, decades ago now, um, hotels didn't always put their prices including mm -hmm. VAT and then we had to have regulations brought in to force them to make that disclosure um, and you know quite right and I think we this is an area where there needs to be regulation and I, th I think actually uh, I mean the brands have been quite poor at dealing with this but they're caught between a rock and a hard place in in many ways because you know they've got owners who are sitting there saying well look I need you to maximize uh, my revenues and uh, one of the ways of doing that is clearly resort fees but at the same time that does do the sort of brand damage mm. I've just talked about in terms of how I feel about the law group now um, so I think this does need to be addressed and you know in many ways I think brand owners are going to welcome um, proper regulation in this area and uh, Hilton has you know came out and said because there's there's moves afoot in the US to do something about it and they've come out and said well we're going to be a little bit more transparent from the get-go um, to mm. you know ahead of this which I think is a sensible move but it, it is difficult for them to you know suddenly turn around and say to their owners actually we're gonna not make as much money as we might be able to um because this is going to damage our brand um um so it, it, it's a tricky one but if if it's properly regulated then that does force compliance and which is what what is necessary i think so um i i whilst i am you know instinctively um opposed to sort of meddling and fiddling by government so I, I think this is an area where it there we ought go. to be so well five done. stars to the regulators and no stars to the tardy hotel groups for getting in line and on that sanitary note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>